0: Welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host Marty Olaf and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website www.alabamahistory.net. Our guest is Cart Blackwell, curator at the Mobile Carnival Museum. The museum won the Alabama Historical Association's Historical Museum Award for 2022. Welcome, Cart, to the Alabama History Podcast. Glad to be taking part and be glad to be with you today, Marty. Cart, tell us something about the Mobile Carnival Museum. The Mobile Carnival Museum was established in
1: 2005, and it remains the only museum dedicated to carnival with Mardi Gras at its height in the United States. So we're a very unique museum. We are open on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays. And we tell the story of Mobile's greatest living tradition, the cultural phenomenon of carnival. We have 14 galleries that are scattered on seven levels of an 1872 townhouse, the old service wing to that townhouse, a really funky 1940s warehouse, and we celebrate the season of carnival year-round. Most southern towns have three seasons, summer that'll last 11 months out of the year, hunting season, and football season. Down here on the Gulf Coast, we've got carnival season, and we love showing it all.
0: I'm looking at your website, www.mobilecarnivalmuseum.com, and it is not only very purple and gold, but it (laughs) (laughs) it is very informative. And it begins with what we all in Alabama know and respect, the idea that Mobile, Alabama is the birthplace of Mardi Gras. Can you talk to that?
1: That is so very true and such a vital part of Mobile's history and its present. Carnival was introduced to the present-day United States by the French in the early 18th century. We do not know what form those early celebrations took. There was a lot of sailors, trappers, some priests. It was definitely not the extravagant celebrations you see today. Barring no discovery in some French archive or monastery, we don't know. But what we do know was in 1830, four mobile men went out on the water. And when four mobile men go out in the water, then or now, there's going to be a fifth. And his name is Jack Daniels. They had a very good time. And when they got back to Terra Pharma, one of them, a man named Michael Kraft, took a little nap to recharge in the doorway to Partridge Hardware. And when Mike came to from his little 15-minute power nap, he was being taunted by some teenage boys, and he didn't miss a beat. He grabbed some cowbells and some rakes, and he proclaimed himself the chief of the cowbellian durrakin Society. He didn't let it slide. He reconvened with his three buddies, and they gathered several dozen buddies, and they worked their tails off. And In a year's time, they sent out invitations to the inaugural ball of the Cowbelly and Society. They did advertisements in the paper alerting the public of the inaugural parade of the Cowbelly and Society. And on New Year's Eve of that year, you have the two ingredients of American Carnival, be it Mobile, Pascagoula, Atlanta, wherever it is celebrated. Carnival has two ingredients, and it was established that evening in Mobile, Alabama, a parade According to a theme that anybody on the street can enjoy, followed by an invitation-only ball with a tableau or theatrical performance that continues the theme. That has now defined Mobile's carnival experience. We have 80 area mystic societies now, and it's conservatively estimated that 50% of our population is a member of a mystic society. Fancy name for a Mardi Gras group, or what New Orleanians call crews. I'd say it's upwards of 70. There's something for everybody, and that's the fun of it.
0: Tell us a little bit more about the museum itself, where it is, after hours of operation, and what a visitor is likely to see when they come through the door.
1: The museum is located at 355 Government. Street, and you can't get more mobile underneath the oak trees with the Mardi Gras beads, and we're open on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays from 9 to 4, and our interpretation of Carnival looks at four themes. Carnival as an art form, an economic engine, pardon my French, one hell of a good time, and fourthly and finally, what we really hope our visitors from near and afar take away is that Carnival, with Mardi Gras height. is it's, it's a family affair. We show visitors through the whole of our museum, and we give them a good taste of the street or the parade side of Mardi Gras. You can hop on a float, try on some old costumes, and after getting an experience of the street side, you go through gallery after gallery, highlighting the art of it, the fabulous trains. Not Thomas on the Track, but the garments that follow a monarch, and they're locally designed and made. You see photographs and paintings of parades past. You see fabulous silver. You learn about the dining customs of carnival, whether it's chicken on a stick or some amazing lamb chops that you'd sell your soul for. You see five videos that give you like an invitation to events that only happen once a year, such as the Comrades Ball with one of the biggest second lines you will ever see, the Carnival Association, and the Mobile Air Mardi Gras Association's annual coronations. We give people a good taste of Mardi Gras in all of its diverse forms. We have several key items in the museum, such as the second largest piece of post postbellum folk sculpture. We have a wonderful table made by a carpenter that worked for Queen Victoria, and that was commissioned by a uh, Mystic Society down here. And things that were used just this past year and created by mobilions, for Mobillions, uh, we have two tiers of exhibit that change out four times a year. One is our Mystique of the Mystic, where we're looking at all of our areas, Mystic Societies, and series is threefold in nature. One, to celebrate the organization. Two, to reintroduce it to Mobilians. But since most of our guests come from a little farther afield, it's a means by which we show through one organization how mystic society culture works. Another is our thematic series, and we look at different aspects of carnival. We did one on carnival and spirits. That was a lot of fun to research. There were some good bourbon tastings that went on with that. We did one on carnival and cuisine, and there were 14 displays that looked at the various dining aspects of it. we looked at carnival and jewelry, carnival and couture. That was a very popular exhibit. We did 100 years of American and international fashion through the guise of carnival. We've got one now on a gentleman named Joe Kane who helped to revitalize carnival after the Civil War. We're going to do one on silver followed one on hospitality, focusing on invitations. So we've always got something new going on. But regardless, we're celebrating Mardi Gras. And we use Mardi Gras to give people a taste of Mobile, Alabama's oldest city, and our wonderful region of the Gulf Coast.
0: What you've described either indicates that you have an enormous permanent collection or that you have a good relationship with the mystic societies and other people in the area. How does that work?
1: As with any museum, we have our own collection, roughly 40,000 artifacts and artworks. We have a wonderful relationship with sister institutions in the state of Alabama. I can't say enough about the History Museum of Mobile under the leadership of Meg McCrum and Fowler Art Museum, led by Deborah Velders. The Alabama Department of History, just fantastic. And multiple museums in New Orleans. Private collectors. Every exhibit that we have hosted here and most of our permanent displays, and I use permanent a little loosely because we do rotate things constantly. We rely on our mystic societies, good relationships with all of them. We celebrate all of them. They are good to us. We are good to them. And we're all about the same mission of supporting our city and carnival. It couldn't happen without private collections. We've got now an exhibit. On Mr. Kane that I mentioned, descendants were very gracious about loaning things. Private art collectors have loaned us some beautiful things. And, of course, our mystic societies, which are great patrons of the arts past and present. So you got to be proactive in your community. And that's one thing about Mardi Gras. Everybody loves it, and everybody loves showing it off.
0: To maintain that level of program activity, you obviously have a sufficient number of people on staff as volunteers.
1: There are two professional employees of the museum. Myself, I'm the curator of the museum, and our amazing director, Judy Foster-Gullage, Gulledge, is the real star of the show. She does the running of the, the whole Carnival Association core, the management of our extensive property holdings, and the main oversight of the museum. My responsibility are the artifacts, the exhibits, and educational programs. In addition to Judy and I, there is a pool of 40 docents, which range from high school students, young ladies that are pursuing the possibility of being azalea trail maids, through retirees who are in their late 70s. Each one brings a love of Mardi Gras, a different perspective to Carnival. The Carnival Museum is owned and operated by the Mobile Carnival Association, established back in 1872 celebrating his 150th year. And the Carnival Association is kind of a two-part beast, if you will. It is at once the sixth oldest debutante society in the United States, and it's the second oldest booster group for the city of Mobile. The Carnival Association's gift to Mobilians and visitors to our fair city is the museum. It doesn't take federal, state, or municipal funds. It's entirely funded by the Carnival Association. We have 16 board members that believe in Mardi Gras, and they believe in this city. So while they're two professional employees, we have the support of a wonderful board of directors, some amazing docents that dedicate their time during our operating hours and outside of operating hours. And we have the involvement of the whole of our city, uh, just because everybody loves Mardi Gras.
0: In case some of our listeners are in academia or want to volunteer, do you have opportunities for interns or for volunteers?
1: We do. With regard to interns in Pacific, we are always looking for interns, whether it's tech savvy interns or students where we can guide them in terms of researching and they help us doing so. I mean, you've got to give back if you're a museum institution in terms of giving tours. We love people to share their passion of Mardi Gras. And so we're always looking for people to celebrate mobile's greatest living tradition of mardi gras so we welcome in your inquiries and try to embrace them in terms of how people can contribute where it helps them helps us and helps mardi gras
0: Kurt, tell us something about yourself so that people will know who they're talking to
1: i was not conceived under a mobile azalea bush i'm from selma alabama i'm a black belt guy went away to school, College of Charleston, University of Virginia, and was going for a third master's degree. And my daddy told me that the gravy train had ended. And I took a job down here in Mobile. I worked for the city of Mobile for about a decade and retired as deputy director of historic development. I've been curator over the Carnival Museum. I have my fifth anniversary come January. My focus is architecture, the decorative arts, and material culture. And mardi gras nestles right in there perfectly
0: it certainly does what have i missed what would you like to talk about that i haven't talked about
1: i think with regard to carnival it is an embracing tradition it is so multifaceted i mean we have our themes that we focus at the museum but there's a strong dosage of humor culinary culture it's ever evolving I'm not from Mobile, and I'm a member of a mystic society. Even if you don't like the formalized structure of that, you can go to a parade and watch it. And it's like watching a Broadway show. I think that there is something for everybody in it. It is diverse. It's inclusive. It's fun. And it was introduced to this country in this city, and its present form, regardless of whatever city you're in, it traces it through to Mobile. And there's that international component to it. There's South American and Central American Carnival, of course, Venetian Carnival, that of Germany and Belgium and the, the Low Countries, where it's got a strong satiric and political edge to it. So we're definitely part of a universal celebration. But Mobile's is unique. I would say its defining feature is its family nature. There's a big talk about Mobile and New Orleans. There's a rivalry between the two. Is I describe it as a relationship between two brothers that love one another. They just got to rib one another a little bit. I would encourage people to experience carnival in whatever way is easy to them, and definitely come visit Mobile. And when you're in Mobile, visit the Carnival Museum.
0: Yes, indeed. Let me thank you for joining us and also congratulate you and the Mobile Carnival Museum for winning the Alabama Historical Association's Historical Museum Award for 2022.
1: We're very appreciative of that honor.
0: Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at City Stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org.